This week's podcast brought to you by Ombuds People. We have a high school senior who's going through the college application process. She's getting mail from everywhere, colleges. And um, there was a postcard on the kitchen counter the other day featuring uh, the famous visage of Goldie Gopher. And our youngest said, wait, Siobhan got mail from the Minnesota Beaver? I tell you something that was super heartwarming that happened um, before my last flight? Please. I don't even remember where I was going. I think I was going to Phoenix. I was at Hartford Airport before I went through security, and um, there was a woman with three young daughters. I would say, I couldn't tell if the older two were twins, but say they're not, then they were probably three four and five in that range. These the youngest th- one in curls? <laughs> yeah. It's three little girls. And I come up the escalator and turn the corner to go get in line at TSA Pre. And as I come up the escalator, um, I just, one of the girls says, there's daddy, there's daddy. And the three girls, I'm tearing up right now as I'm telling the story. The three girls just start jumping up and down. So her mom's standing there and she's like, she's like, you gotta wait, he's gotta come through. There's daddy, there's daddy, 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 as these three girls are jumping up and down. And at the time, just like right now, I had tears coming to my eyes and then I just see this young dad, I would say the parents were in their, you know, early 30s, this young dad come over and um, when he gets over to where they can, they just, the three girls just go over and cling to him. And um, it was just so sweet. It was so sweet as I'm about to embark on my grumpy journey um, and go through TSA. The uh, it was just a the sweetest moment and um, whatever novel that uh, you start writing in your brain about where he was or how long he was gone or anything, um, it just makes you, I don't know, appreciate um, stuff. And as they, that group collided, did it knock his unicorn hat off? <laughs> You know, I was at um, one our, our youngest soccer game this weekend, and uh, one of the dads who listens to the podcast came over, and he's like, Rebecca, do you have a picture of the guy in the unicorn? Because, oh, I got to post that. Um, so, yes, I, I showed him the picture of the guy in the unicorn. So, And I posted this on my Twitter account, but, like, the people at TSA Pre in Hartford are ridiculously friendly and, and ridicul- just nice. And granted, I've been going through there a ton lately, and I've been going through there a ton on Saturday evenings. So I'm seeing the same people every Saturday for the last three weeks. But they just, they're just they just super friendly and, and nice, and not just to me, but like, um, you know, to everybody that's around me in line, too. It's just uh, it, they make it a more pleasant ex- experience than it could be and generally is in most other airports. So, Will you exchange Christmas cards with the TSA pre-people? <laughs> Hopefully I won't be traveling every Saturday leading up to Christmas. But if I was, maybe I'd, uh, maybe I'd hand out a Christmas card. But going from the super sweet with the, with the little kids jumping up and down, <laughs> what do you think of this? So I'm on my, on my plane. I'm flying to Phoenix. I think it was the first leg of the plane where I'm going from Hartford to uh, to Detroit. And um, I'm sitting in my seat and I just hear like this guy's voice and I see this body like pretty big guy, pretty big dude. <laughs> and uh, he must be in the window seat. And he says to the guy in the aisle seat, he said, hey, tiny, I'm next to you. And you have to understand the guy in the aisle seat was also a very large man. <laughs> hey, tiny, I'm next to you. <laughs> And he could only get away with it because he was equally tiny. Uh, equally tiny, yeah. But I just, <laughs> I was waiting. So I'm like, is that guy going to get angry? Do they know each other? No, they didn't know each other. 
But hey, tiny, that's what I think you should try next time you get on a plane. Uh-huh. Be like, hey, tiny. Too bad that guy was on the aisle and you were on the window, and he, and he and he came in and said, "Hey, I'm between tiny and shorty." <laughs> it would have been perfect. And then this is my my uh, my last traveling. I don't know if this would be a traveling violation, but it was. It's my last traveling story. Sitting on the plane now. This is the flight from Detroit to Phoenix. And I just hear a woman behind me just like talking and talking. And it's not the, her seatmate is is a new acquaintance. It's not some, and someone she knows. And um, she's just like yammering on. But the, the line that really stuck with me is I hear her say, I finally got my tubes tied. I was one of those women where if a man looked at me, I'd get pregnant. And so they'd been having this con- just a, a conversation that came out of nowhere. Crickets after that. <laughs> the dude <laughs> said nothing after that it was just such a like it's a it's just something that somebody might say to their girlfriend it's not something somebody generally would say to a stranger on an airplane so um we'll have to consult with dr siegel if that's if that's uh, a scientific possibility right. if somebody looks at you right and you become pregnant yes i think we should go to the expert on that one well you said you were flying somewhere but you don't remember where you've been all over the place been all over the place. I, I mean, I, I, that's all I have to say because I don't know where you've been. I often don't know when you're coming home. I will uh, be asleep in the middle of the night, and a and a figure will crawl into bed. I don't know if it's a burglar. Uh, at that point, I really don't care. <laughs> you're cold, and anything <laughs> <Yes>. will do. <laughs> Any port in a storm. You said something last week, and it just made me laugh because I had it was last week or two weeks ago. I don't even remember. I had been in Chicago. I flew home, and um. I think the next day I then flew somewhere west, Seattle or somewhere. Anyway, I'd flown home that and I got in that morning and I'm telling you, all right, this is what I'm going to do this afternoon. I'm going to get this kid, do this, this and this. And your response to me was, okay, I didn't even know you were coming home. I thought you were going straight to Seattle or wherever it was. Well, I, I you didn't. truly, when I tell you like when I'm returning, you, you, it just goes in well, and out. You give me the breakdown of you're going to Chicago for game four of that uh, Chicago-Connecticut series. And then depending who wins, if if scenario A happens, I'll come home for a day. Then I'll go to Phoenix or Las Vegas. If scenario B happens, I'll go straight to Phoenix or Las Vegas. And I say, why don't you just go, since you're halfway across the country as it is in Chicago, why don't you just go straight from Chicago to Phoenix or Las Vegas? And those are the scenarios. I'll either come home. If Connecticut wins, I come home to call a game five. If not... I either go straight to Vegas or straight to Phoenix. I don't even know myself. But you came home for a, a night between uh, your last trip and your next trip, and, and you coached youth basketball. You weren't here. That's true. But but you were at least got to see other people's kids. I got to, It's not like our, we don't have a child on the team. I get to see our child, too. And often it's I come home, and then I go and watch our daughters play volleyball and go straight from there to coach basketball. So yeah, I'm not I'm not around you a lot, but hopefully I'm still around the well, kids. No, a I know lot. I know that's part of the mo. That's kind of part of the appeal of it all. Yeah, what's what's ripping my heart into tiny little pieces um, is that tomorrow I'll I won't be here for our son's birthday. Our son turns 13 on October 6th. I'll be in Chicago for um, calling a game. It's going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to it. But this is not the first time I've missed his birthday because WNBA finals and playoffs are often on October 6th. Um, it it would be the first it. time I you've, hate it. you would have 
been present for his birthday. And that's lovely. Uh, um, but people, ask what Dr. People Siegel if that's <laughs> scientifically possible. But, um, what, you know, what, I, I, what, I love my job. I hate missing the kids' birthdays. It, it, it is, as a side note, it is also your birthday tomorrow. Yeah, but you're, you're, I don't... You and our son have the same birthday. True. But I tend to not miss my own birthday. It's going to be my birthday whether I'm in Chicago or home. And, what, and, and we've talked about this before. The second you, he you, was born, it was no longer my birthday. It was his birthday. Do you think when TSA uh, looks at your license and sees that it's your birthday, they'll have a cake for you or something? Unless it's expired, and then they'll look at it and say, give me all kinds of grief. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll get a happy birthday. That that might be the – that should be the first person to um, to wish me a happy birthday early, it, early it in the morning. probably will be. Mm-hmm. You were in town one night last week. You were working broadcasting Connecticut Sun Game, and uh, we were all there. So we did get to sort of spend that night as mm-hmm. a family. Uh, our son was with his uh, youth basketball team, yep. entire, all of his teammates, uh, whacking each other over the head with thunder sticks in one of the end zones. I was there with our three daughters, and you were working the game. And while at some break in the action, it was probably halftime, a, I noticed a woman standing in the aisle next to me. Everybody's wearing masks, so it's hard to recognize people. And she said, I just wanted to tell you that, and I'm paraphrasing here, so if she's listening, forgive me. She said, um, we never miss a ball and chain. And uh, I don't know what Rebecca's talking about with the wet measures versus dry measures. And I had to laugh. <laughs> I had to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, are we, are we still it, bringing I, I this up? I rather enjoyed it. Well, I, I just, I just, we're bringing up the events of the week as we do. Speaking of, so we're, we're not, I'm not, I don't bring it up to debate this. To, right. to re, I just, it just amused me. I don't know if it's like a coincidence, but a couple of days ago, you guys, while I was gone, broke my favorite wet measure. We have the, we have you know a big Pyrex two cup measuring yeah, cup the, for the, liquids the we also had this thing. little plastic one that went just a little over a cup and it was perfect when the kids wanted to make their own oatmeal and stuff and well, well our, our was our, that your protest of wet and dry measures our, just to break my favorite dry well, or wet measure it's all wet measures now because our 10 year old was making herself instant oatmeal while talking to me i was sitting on the couch she was in the kitchen but she was jibber jabbering to me about something so i was looking at her while she did this and she uh she had the cup in her hand and as she was talking to me it just squirted out of her hand the cup and fell on the floor really hard it sounded like it had cracked and i said it should be fine i think it had been cracked before so she picked it up and she went to fill it with water but before she got to the sink it popped out of her hand again and hit the floor hard again and i just had to start laughing so she uh put it you had to fill what half a cup of water for the instant oatmeal yeah and she filled it and it just started just started like a sprinkler just leaking out (laughs) Oh, it was so All funny. Sides. Yesterday morning. I, I think I told her, just put it back in the, in the cabinet. Yesterday morning, she um she said she wanted to make oatmeal. Or I was I was doing something, and I was like, where where's the small measuring cup? You guys know where the small, small wet measure is? And um, and then as one, you know, I just used the bigger one. And a little later, she said, oh, um, that, that one broke over the weekend. Or that one broke while you were gone. She certainly didn't Mistakes were made. Yeah, she There's no subject to that sentence. Yes. That one got broken while you were gone. So. Passive voice. She she's learned well. That's what I'm. That's um. I'm gonna get myself for my birthday, 
a um a new one a new little one cup plastic wet measure knock yourself out but um it'll it'll actually bring me more joy than it should (laughs) if i if i if me i I don't know if i'm if i'm uh uh, breaching any uh, secrecy protocols here but when you called that game at the sun as you do on occasion you parked in the arena am i right yeah, um, I can park. Like, well, there's a garage next to the arena, and um, sometimes, not just there, but when we're in other places, we get to park not far from the yeah, TV truck. It's, it's not, quite a delight. Not, yeah. yeah, not so much of a delight. It's a quite. A, it's a quite a convenience it, after a game. Does the convenience of it outweigh the the paint all over? Oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. So I drove your car to the game yeah. so that you could have the minivan to drive all the kids. I've not driven your car maybe a couple of times. I hadn't driven it in a really long time. Brand new. It's a new car. And I, I'm very, very careful in your car. Parked the car, watched the game, and then our two older daughters drove home with me. And as I'm putting my bag into the back of your car, one of our daughters says, what happened to the front of the car? And I said, what are you talking about? What happened to the front of the car? I said, nothing should happen in the front of the car. And I came to the front of the car. There's like, it's a black car. There's white paint, a massive amount of white paint. Scraped on like the right it, yeah. quarter panel, or that's not the quarter panel. It's like the bumper. The front right bumper, front, yeah. The whole corner. Uh, I did not get that on there. But it happened while I had the keys and was driving it. The so other thing is somebody upset with your... With your uh, What's that? Not somebody upset with your calls. Yeah, I don't think it was intentional. I don't think they knew it was my car, but still, bad luck. Actually, the girls didn't drive home with me. They came and got in the car with me with who they affectionately call Miss Rowe, Holly Rowe. I drove the three of them around to um, the hotel where our daughters got out with Miss Rowe. She had she was planning to stay at the hotel and then had an early morning flight the next day, and our girl said... To call the University of Georgia football game. Yes, to game. fly to Georgia to call to call the game. She was coming from somewhere else as well. Some, I think she'd just been introduced as the Utah Jazz yes. uh, broadcast the, team. Uh, yes. And uh, I saw her at the arena and said, I mean, first of all, does she teleport to these places? Because right. she's in five different places in any given week. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's funny because I think some people on her football crew... Um, get private jets, but she doesn't, and she's the one who's like flying all over the country. But our, our, our while we were talking about her taking um, flying out the next day, our oldest daughter said, "Come stay with us. Come stay with us." And um, and Holly hasn't been to our house in a long time, and uh, but used to come here when the kids were little and would have dance parties with them in the basement. And and anyway, they adore Miss Rowe. And um, so Miss Rowe and the two girls got in the car. I dropped them off at the hotel. Holly packed quickly and then our daughters drove back here to our house with Miss Rowe and um was this the game that went no Th- this was not the double overtime game so they came back here and um got you know it was like midnight and Holly the next day um flying to Georgia as you mentioned to do a football game well she also had a serious XM radio show to do on the WNBA and um so after the game she'd done some interviews with players at midnight she and I came At our down. kitchen counter. Yeah. Or was it? We came down here oh. to the basement, actually, to get away from the dogs um, and filmed two segments or filmed, recorded two segments for her um, for her Sirius XM show, basically just talking about 
what was going on um, in the WNBA because our series had been tied up. And that night, Diana Taurasi had gone off for 37 points then, <laughs> against uh, the Vegas Aces. So, And then when we woke up in the morning, as we usually do at the crack of dawn to get the kids to school, she was gone, she was gone. as if she had never been here. Yeah, I think maybe we, she teleported because she stayed in our oldest daughter's room. Maybe she teleported from there to Atlanta. And then she was posting you know, on social media, I think, from Georgia's practice that like afternoon. Hours later. And, and it was hilarious, too, because she ended up being on the same flight as Carolyn Peck. Carolyn Peck... Um, is doing studio work for ESPN during the WNBA um, season. And so Holly recorded a segment for her radio show with Carolyn Peck while they were, I don't know if they were on the airplane or in the airport, but this is, and then she like edits it and, or sends it in and whatever, puts this whole show together that airs later that afternoon while she's at the University of Georgia practice. So, Well, I told um, her at the game, you know, we have full employment in the U.S., but, but it, it's Holly has all of the jobs. <laughs> I'm going to give my WNBA playoff update right now. A lot of exciting things happening. So Connecticut and Chicago. Chicago leads that series two games to one. The first game went to double overtime. Second game was close. Third game came down to the wire. Connecticut had a couple of chances um, to pull that one away. But instead, uh, uh, Chicago was able to hold on and win. So that, that one is a... Um, could be a playoff elimination game on Wednesday, followed by Vegas, which is 8 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. And then at 10 o'clock Eastern on ESPN, you have uh, Vegas and Phoenix. And I did the game three of that series. Game two, I think it was a 26-point win for Phoenix. Diana Taurasi went off. Game three was a 27-point victory for Phoenix. Uh, Brittany Griner had a great game. Brianna Turner was phenomenal. Right now, the Vegas Aces, who looked incredible um, late in the season, uh, are struggling. And, um, and it's going to be interesting to see if they can bounce back and, uh, and even the series on, uh, on Wednesday. But really, really good basketball being played. It was interesting, too, because Diana Taurasi has been playing on a hurt ankle. And before game two, before her 37-point game, Bill Lambier made a comment of, you know, it's the playoffs. Nobody's hurt in the playoffs. I expect Diana to be great. Diana was asked about that. So Bill Lambier said this, and her response was, who's Bill Lambier? And if anybody knows Diana Taurasi, they know if you in any way irritate her, um, watch out. And so that's what happened. She was ridiculous in game two with her 37 points. So we go down there. The game was actually at Arizona State because Disney on Ice was in their home arena. Disney on Ice, a perennial uh, yeah, interrupter just, of, yes, of WNBA Party playoff. spoiler. Yeah. But as parents who've taken our kids to Disney things, like think of all the heartbroken children if they had done the opposite, if they had postponed Disney on Ice anyway. Holly, if they had put Disney on Ice on Ice, as it were. Yeah, exactly. So as Holly's talking to Diana before game three, she finds out, you know, not only does she have a really bad sprain in her ankle, she's got a fractured bone either in her foot or her ankle. Um, so that's what she's playing on. Um, so it, it was pretty cool, though, because the, the Phoenix Suns men's team, uh, NBA team, was playing a preseason game a, a day later or two days later in Sacramento. They postponed their charter so that a bunch of the guys could come to um, the game. So they got there at halftime. Chris Paul was there. Um, Devin Booker was there. And... Um, a couple other players, uh, they came right from practice. We were there for the second half of the game, which was pretty cool. And anyway, it's going to go to a game four on Wednesday. And what's neat about that, too, is the Suns have another preseason game that was 
supposed to happen that night. But now that the women's team is playing, the they and the Lakers, who who is their opponent, move the game earlier. So it's going to be the first ever doubleheader NBA WNBA game um, in the history of the league. The guys play first. I think there's an hour in between, and then um, and then the women's game. So. You know, you you think that maybe LeBron James or some other Lakers, if they if they don't leave right after the game, might be in attendance. But um, but it's been a, a great it, it, and fun playoff series. If they try to leave right after the game, they will be waylaid by Holly Road. <laughs> they would be, except Holly's with us in Chicago. Although um, she she could get to get to L.A. from Chicago at halftime. Somebody actually tweeted at me when we did the when we did the game, the Connecticut Chicago game. Um, and the night before Holly had been, um, it was one of these games the night before Holly had done a, a college football game. Oh, this is what it was. Holly had been at Georgia, done that game. And then on Sunday, our game and, and somebody tweeted like, if Holly Rowe now shows up in wherever the game right after ours to call this game, like my mind's going to be blown. <laughs> that's, that's now the expectation for Holly is to do a double header in different time zones. I should just say that Sun game that we all went to, um, they handed out thunder sticks at the door. You have to inflate them yourself. And then they, they had a little straw they had right, that you packs tacked, taped to the uh, back of the seats as well. So our kids, and then afterwards, kids were collecting the various thunder sticks. But uh, I spent much of the game trying to inflate um, thunder sticks. For our ten-year-old, and we weren't doing it right. We weren't sealing it right, but they come with a straw that you you put in there. And and anyway, I I left that place with we had about four hundred inflated thundersticks, and 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 the floor was just a a sea of flaccid thundersticks. I think our our son's plan was to then bring him to his AAU game that weekend. Did he bring all the thundersticks to not. get to the parents? He did not bring them. Bring oh. them. All right, uh, let's get to viewer mail, shall we? Uh, you you. Stole my thunder. You stole my thunder stick. I was going to say, hey, Tiny. Let's oh. get the viewer mail. <laughs> let's, let, let's, let's do that, Shorty. Big bad hook, throw our lure. Reel us in with your viewer mail. Uh, our first uh, viewer mail comes from a, a Texas listener, your Texas listener, Kathy, with a K. And uh, she gets she opens with... Um, uh, she listens to all the podcasts and had no idea that there were wet and dry measures. That's because there aren't, and uh, she is. Uh, there are, but 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 well, uh, we, we've debated that. Funny. Okay. I mean, we can make this. We can make this. We could make a separate podcast. Wet measures. We could the the uh, bureau of just the forever debate. Yeah, but anyway, her second paragraph is what I want to get to. Uh, Rebecca, I was flying from Washington D.C. to Dallas this summer, and as I was boarding the plane, I was behind a guy with his cello. Of course, it made me think back to the podcast when you discussed this and how the guy brought a seat for his cello. So as he was scanning his boarding pass, they asked what he was doing with his cello. And he said, oh, I have a boarding pass for it as well. I'm thinking it had to be the same guy because what are the odds? And sure enough, he sat the cello in the middle seat and buckled it in the whole flight. Thank you for the podcast each week. Your Texas Texan listener, Kathy. I mean, that's just unbelievable. It's amazing. Isn't it? Do you think it was the same guy? At the very least. It has to be. I mean, how many traveling... Cellists? cellists are well, there. All cellists who, who anybody who plays the cello and needs to travel with their cello, presumably. What's the What's the book? The traveling what? Isn't there? Sisterhood of the Traveling Cello. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm thinking of. Sisterhood of the Traveling Cello. That's That's remarkable. You know, this is has totally nothing to do with anything 
that you've just said, but it, it, it came to my mind. When I was working with Ryan, because last week we talked about Ryan getting um, vocal massages. Yes. Um, and some of the we had some questions, and I have some answers. It would now be an okay time to, uh, to throw them in. So when you're getting your vocal massage, yes, you are down to your boxers, boxer briefs, whatever it is that you wear. There's on no a way table. that's true. This is true. That's the, the, there's no. Can I finish? Because the true. person you you also get a regular massage first. Like you're there an hour, mm-hmm. and because everything like in your your head and neck are connected to your shoulders and your chest and your back, they work all of those muscles too. So you're getting a massage on all, you're, you're laying on a massage table and you are getting like a normal massage of your torso and your back and your neck. And then how about this? And so as you're laying there, she also puts her hand in your mouth and like massages, I don't know if it's like the back by your cheeks or whatever. I said to Ryan, I'm like, do you ever gag? He said, no, just, their hands aren't that far in, but and she's wearing gloves. So it's a massage of your upper body and then of your neck and throat and stuff. And the hands go in the mouth too. He said, it's all people who have TMJ or whatever also, this can be helpful. So yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. Do, do most television broadcasters who who... Uh, are known in the industry as talent that that uh, hilarious phrase do they also get an ego massage usually <laughs> as part of this or is that extra you don't get that from her you're, you're you look for your ego massage massage that's what social media is for uh rachel writes good morning oh, rebecca hey, rachel Good morning, Rebecca and Steve. The weather is finally cooling down here in Idaho, and it finally feels like fall is in the air. Kind of the same way here, Rebecca. Yes, it is. That means WNBA and baseball playoffs are the go-to each evening. I have a few questions for the two of you, by the way, as we record this. Red Sox-Yankees one-game playoff tonight at Fenway. One, you've discussed the WNBA GOAT vote, and yes, Rebecca, you should have a vote, uh, but never specified who each of you feel should be named the WNBA GOAT. Who do each of you believe should be named the WNBA GOAT, Rebecca? I, I go to you, and I think you probably have the same answer I do. Yeah, I've said this for years, but it's Diana Taurasi. Um, without question, in my mind, it's Diana Taurasi. And, uh, I mean, her 37-point performance as a 39-year-old was kind of the cherry on top of that. But she she just has an impact on everything. And, um, and, and significantly, I mean, she's great, no question, but also significantly, the, 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 those people who are in the discussion from the first years of the WNBA were playing the sort of second half or, or last years of their career of their careers at the start of the WNBA. Young players now have, some may have 15 or 20 years in the league, right. but her career has also coincided with the, the uh, duration of the, of the league. I mean, she, she's been, she's been great for longer than anyone else was ever great in the league. And, you know, could Cynthia Cooper have been great for 20 years? Of course. But her first year in the league, she was 34. It's just the timing of it. So to me, it's um, it's Diana Taurasi without question. Rachel has... Uh, I, Are you I, going with the same answer? Yeah, yeah. Rachel, and I appreciate this, has has uh, enumerated her... her, her she's not bullet pointed. She has one B and the Roman numeral three. So... B is Holly Rowe. As a Utah Jazz fan, I am ecstatic, all caps, that Holly is coming home. As a WNBA fan, NCAA women's basketball fan, NCAA football fan, etc., what will this mean for all of her other assignments? I cannot believe her travel schedule already. Now add in an NBA schedule. How does she do it? Well, what it will mean is is she will will she curtail anything? Yeah, she will. She, oh, she will. Okay. I think she's she's doing 
a lot of um, of jazz games. It's kind of interesting too because I've asked her like, "Are you sideline reporter? Are you an analyst? What are you?" And she said, "She said, you know how they have positionless basketball? We're calling this positionless announcing. So she will have a position. The jazz announcers, the the." whether it's one or two play-by-play and analysts or just play-by-play, they're like up in their perch, but Holly will be down courtside like she typically is. And um, we'll just be adding color and flair and all the wonderful stuff she adds. But um, Will she be required to wear pieces of flair <laughs> during the game? <laughs> whether or not she's required to, she always does. Right. But um, yeah, she so she, on the ESPN side, she does a ridiculous amount. So she's going to still do her college football, college basketball, um, men's and women's I think that you know she might do a little bit less of other things I'm not certain about this but like maybe in softball instead of doing a bunch of regular season and the tournament maybe she just does the tournament I'm not sure exactly how she's going to navigate it but I do know this women's sports are a huge priority for her so um, she's certainly going to still be doing the top women's college basketball games the tournament the final four the WNBA Um, she's helped the sport grow so those are things she's not giving up. And this was written uh, uh, a week ago, this email, but uh, she asked for your predictions. Who do you expect to win in each semifinal series in the WNBA? Thanks for the laughs and banter each week. It's It would be easier to predict now with the teams at Although 2-1. Although it's still, I don't know, though. Like, Oh, I'm not saying it's easy to predict. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying when now that two teams have a have a one-win Advantage. The series, yeah. yeah, it's it's been really interesting because Connecticut won 14 in a row to end the regular season, home court advantage, but now they're down 2-1. Like I mentioned before, Vegas had been playing great near the end of the season, but I said it you know, about a month ago. It was when you and I and the kids went to New York City and we to Brooklyn, and we saw um, up close Phoenix against New York, and I, I walked away from that game just feeling like, wow, that's a team that has every piece you need to win a championship. Phoenix is super dangerous. Uh, Sean, spelled like it sounds, S-H-A-W-N in New Hampshire, right? Steve you know what's Rebecca. funny? When, what? Like when you said it's spelled like it sounds? He's, he wrote that. Oh. Sean, I, parentheses, spelled like it sounds. Because my brain, when you said spelled like it sounds, first went to S-E-A-N. Yeah. Anyway. Well, spelled like it sounds, that would be seen. Oh, spelled like Sounds like it's spelled, not spelled like it sounds. Spelled like it sounds, he wrote. Sean, Sean, and it's spelled how you would, it's spelled phonetically, S-H-A-W-N. Okay. Steve and Rebecca, I was exactly 56 years old. It was my birthday. When your last show made me wonder wet versus dry, consider wet versus dry for the measures for the first time. I often use a wet measuring cup for dry measuring. In fact, tonight I put sugar into a wet measuring cup, then added hot water to make the sweetener that I add to iced tea, in the process converting the dry measure to a wet measure. Well, that makes sense. I was stationed in the South for nine years of my Army career, so I learned to love sweet tea. I know there are different measuring cups. It has just never mattered to me which one I use since the measurements are the same. Thus, Steve is not alone in, in this blind spot. Sadly, for me, it's just one of many. As a side note, I asked my 22-year-old son if he knew the difference, and his answer was, and I quote, nope. So I failed as a parent there. However, my 28-year-old daughter absolutely knew the difference and always, all caps, uses the proper measuring device. My wife, Diana, empathizes with Rebecca and was incredulous that I did not know the difference. So is there a—I mean— This is the thing. You can—it's easy to use the wet measure for dry goods. It's hard to use the dry measure for wet goods. Like if you have the one cup that's meant for dry and you try to put water in it, it's going to spill and stuff. Regrettably, writes Sean, I never took home economics. Instead, I took woodshop, which Diana can confirm was a complete waste of time as my skills with woodworking are worse than with cooking. On the bright side, I know a hell of a lot about Excel, so can offer my services there. Be well. Go Army. Beat Navy. Sean in 
a bow, New Hampshire. Thank you, Sean. Sean. Dude, kids don't have to take Homec and Woodshop anymore. I took Homec and Woodshop in first in middle school, and then not, I didn't in high school, but I did in middle school. We we did um, we the did woodworking. Woodshop was always taught by a guy with like you know a missing thumb. Right. We did woodworking, Homec. We did balancing a checkbook. We also did um, cooking and like sewing. Um, and boys and girls, everybody did it. It's it's I think it's an important skill. Balancing a checkbook certainly. Uh, my mom and her little perfect little polymer script, but in the that would fit in the tiny box of the of the check registry would meticulously log in those things. And and, and because she was living in Minnesota, you you, you would write checks right. at the supermarket and check checkout. Writing is kind of like going away as Venmo becomes more of a thing. But do you remember it was like a game changer in check writing when they inserted the carbon copy? Like I don't know if your mom ever did of this. Course. Sometimes my mom would say. Like as she's trying to balance her checkbook, yes. I'm missing. I'm missing one. I, I don't remember what I wrote this check for. I don't know the amount. And like, so she therefore didn't know how much and, was in the check. And account. now you have to balance the scorebook. So our daughter keeps the book for our, our son's game the other day, basketball game, and uh, the points for, that each kid scored doesn't add up to the point total of the game. And I said, well, I was taking video, some video at the game while here, you know. Oliver hit a three, and that's not in the in the scorebook. So, so you have to find the missing yeah. the missing points, but uh, not the same as balancing a checkbook. This comes from Melanie, uh, and her her header is sorry again, Rebecca. It's not just men. I sent a tweet last week saying that the wet and dry measure thing was news to me. I'm 70 years old and have been feeding myself for most of my life. I've never heard of the distinction until last week. I even took home ec in junior high about a century ago and never heard of the distinction. And as other correspondents noted, a brief search on Google indicated that the content of each type of cup is the same. So I missed my chance to respond to the battle by relying on Twitter rather than email. Um, so 70, Rebecca, news to her. Uh, Lori, uh, tough schist, married to Stone Curtis, writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, the wet-dry measuring discussion brought back a memory from middle school. It was the early 70s, and the girls, only girls, had home ec. This was a first for me. When we had the class on the difference of wet and dry measuring, I was distraught. I remember telling our teacher that my mom and grandma had been cooking for years and never distinguished between wet and dry measuring. Their food was always good. She went on to say the exact things that your listeners said last week about when you, ne when you need to be precise in measuring. The thing that she also added was that when you put a liquid in dry measuring cup, there is a scientific phenomenon that the surface tension of water allows it to sit slightly higher than the edge of the cup, oil even higher. When a fluid is in a glass liquid measuring cup, you can fill it to the line without this surface tension. It really stuck with me that I had to go to middle school home ec to learn that my mom and grandma had been measuring wrong. The only other class I remember in middle school was the health class when we had to learn the parts of the reproductive system. Even though I had grown up on a farm, I did not know the proper names for any of the parts, and that test was my first failing grade. Ah, uh, the middle school memories. I wonder if they learned uh, the, the, where, where you get pregnant by having somebody look at you. Do you remember that? <laughs> that? Um, on a side note, I have always felt very lucky that I started high school in 1972. That was the first year in Ohio when the schools had to offer the same sporting opportunities as the boys. Title IX went into effect. We had coaches, gym time, and games with other schools. I loved all the sports and had wonderful coaches. My sister, four years older than me, had none. When I tell this to the next generation, they are stunned that high schools did not have girls' sports a few years ago. I am still a major sports fan, mostly women's basketball, soccer, and volleyball. Love your podcast. Thanks, Lori. Tough schist. Stone Curtis, thank you uh, for the email. And Rebecca, uh, I mean, it, it's unbelievable as we run around to, to, in the case of today, two uh, high school girls' volleyball games and uh, – youth girls soccer that 
these opportunities did not exist. I mean, this is not news by any stretch, but but the email brings home the it's fact that remarkable. her older sister didn't have those opportunities. It's 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 crazy. Fiftieth anniversary of Title IX is this coming summer. It's uh, pretty awesome. Uh, John writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve and DGS, they're now addressing viewer mail directly to the source, DGS. Mm -hmm. Dear Rebecca and Steve and DGS, I'm responding to DGS's email of last week. I don't really live in Atlanta. I live in Snellville. So from now on, I'll address my emails from John and Snellville. (laughs) This reminds me of when Bill Murray was calling a Cubs game in the 80s, and I happened to be watching or in the 90s, and Andres Galarraga of the Expos came to the plate, and, and the ancient is, uh, Bill Murray said, here's Andres Galarraga. He's from Caracas, Venezuela. Of course, everybody from Venezuela says they're from Caracas, but I bet he's really from a suburb. <laughs> uh, most people don't know where Snellville is, so I use Atlanta as the major landmark. Stephen, Rebecca, I love the podcast. Keep it up. Keep me laughing. DGS, maybe we can connect someday. That is from John. Well, I, I guess it, that depends on the proximity of DGS out in um what would be the northwestern How about suburbs? We, what if we start connecting listeners and they become then, then fast this, friends? This becomes sort of like farmersonly.com? Yeah. Viewersonly.com? Yeah, I like it. I, 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 we'll, we'll be attending a, a wedding ceremony someday of ball and chain uh, listeners. I don't think it's going to be Dr. Gary Siegel, though. And, and John from Snellville? John from Snellville. Well, you never know. Could be. Hi, Rebecca and Steve. On each episode, a voice breaks in and says... Is this stuff serious? Rebecca Lobo, set shot. What? I assume this is someone hacking you, but can't you get it removed? It's being been going on for months now. Marion in, uh, in New York State. So, de- so <laughs> but, but can, I, can I just tell you something yes. first, Rebecca? I, 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 I elided something on her email. She says, hi, Rebecca and Steve. On each episode, a voice breaks in and says, is this stuff serious? Re- Rebecca Lobo, sex shot. What? <laughs> I can assure you it's not that, but go ahead, Rebecca, and explain. So on the TV show Psych, I think twice in the course of the show. More than once. Yeah. For some reason, they they used my name. Like one guy would say, are you serious? And the other, as a Rebecca Lobo set shot. Serious as a Rebecca Lobo set shot. Which doesn't even make sense. No No one takes a set shot. It makes more sense than a Rebecca Lobo sex shot. Well, I would hope so. (laughs) And so Denny... Our producer, Denny Gallagher. Our producer, intentionally, when intentionally. something's a little bit silly, introduce, puts that in, edits it in, and um, <laughs> she, this whole time, I wonder if anyone else but has the thought, best part, the best has part thought is, it was as a Rebecca Lobo sex shot. <laughs> Woo! As our son used to do sometimes. Woo! <laughs> All I can say is, Denny, keep annoying the listeners. That's <laughs> Uh, I have a feeling it will make an appearance in in this email here. Are you guys serious about this stuff? As a Rebecca Lobo set shot class. Hello, Rebecca. Stephen Rebecca writes, uh, oh, Rebecca, this is from Hannah from Khan College. Uh, Hannah. Now. Our, 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 uh, I think of her as our youngest listener, but she's actually our young listener. Now when you say Hannah from Khan College, I can conjure up a picture. You can conjure up a picture, I yes. I can conjure up a picture. You don't need it because we we met Hannah from Con we College. We finally met Hannah from Con College at the Connecticut Sun game at the on Connecticut Thursday. Sun game. Hannah writes, "Hey, Stephen," and she was wearing a Con College uh, sweatshirt and a rainbow, colorful mask. We were all wearing masks, so so none of us really knows what 
Well, I should say I can conjure up a picture of her from like from the bridge of her nose to, to her eyebrows. Her yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, she was super nice. It was great to meet her. Unbelievable. It was so good to meet her. Hey, Stephen Rebecca, it was so great meeting you last Thursday at the Sun Game. My friends and family will tell you I am terrible about going up and saying hi to people I admire. So I introduce myself to people I don't admire. <laughs> Is that uh, what she I wrote? She doesn't write that. You added. No, no, I added that. Um, <laughs> about going up and saying hi to people I admire. But I was so glad that I got up the courage to say hi. Thank you so much for taking a minute to talk with me. I believe it was halftime, Rebecca. Yeah. And uh, you were, you often. Uh, I was up to go use the restroom. Yes, that was it. And, but I was right by you. Yeah. And that's when I ran into Hannah. And so I could say hello to her and then point you out to her and the kids could wave and say hello. It I think was it was lovely. Hannah who, who, who scraped our car <laughs> in the, in the uh, underneath the sun. I don't think it was. Thank goodness they pulled out that win, too. I'm sending this Thursday night, so not sure what the most recent count is, but 1-1 is definitely better than going to Chicago down two games. Well, that was for sure. It's so great to see Brianna Jones playing so well. I've been watching her, her sister Stephanie, and Alyssa Thomas play since their Maryland days. I actually got to meet Alyssa Thomas at an AAU tournament in fourth grade. I had no clue who she was, but my coach, who's an avid listener of the podcast, hey, Coach Liz, was was uh, like, go take a picture with her. That's Alyssa Thomas. It's a, and Indeed, there's a, there's a picture attached. So so it's the, since fourth grade, she's at least been introducing herself to. Oh, you'll have to forward me that picture. I will. It's, I will. It's um, you know, we talked. We, we told the story. Oh well, I maybe okay, I maybe she, maybe you don't want to post because she says it's a cool story now, but it might be one of the cringiest photos of me ever taken. See attached arrow is pointed at me. Anyway, thanks again for taking the time to chat with me, and I hope to see you again at Sun Game in the future. Hannah from Kind College. I'm sorry, Rebecca, I interrupted no, you. No, I interrupted you. It um, it's it's amazing to me how impactful um, camps can be, and when these kids meet players you know Hannah there talks about meeting Alyssa Thomas we t- you told the story about our daughter um, after the NBA finals game that is an amazing picture Hannah how cute are these girls what grade did she say that was fourth grade fourth grade oh they're in their oversized uniforms just looking very much like fourth graders with Alyssa Thomas this is fantastic um, with a great AAU name the matrix it's a great AAU name um, as long as it doesn't end with an S, that's like the rule. Your AAU name cannot end with an S. X, Z, those are the best. Yeah. Or two Zs even. Um, or elite. Or E because it's elite, yes. Yes. Um, if you have a team that's both elite and like elite stars with a Z, then you've, you've, you've hit the, the bingo, the AAU bingo. It's, um, it's amazing to me the impact that players can have just meeting kids when they're at a at a basketball camp and we the picture here with Hannah and her team and Alyssa Thomas our daughter um, we told the story after during the W or during the NBA playoffs um, when a, a player from Atlanta what was his name Kevin Herter Kevin yeah. Herter um, having had a terrific game and she just said oh he was my counselor at camp and that's uh, coach Kevin yeah that's coach Kevin he too went to, to Maryland and then um, yesterday, I was actually talking um, to our daughter about uh, the Connecticut-Chicago series. And I said, you know, Azrae Stevens has been playing great. Um, she played really, really well in game three. And Maeve said, oh, yeah, she was my coach at camp, too. This is when Azrae was a player at UConn and, and our daughter went to a basketball camp. So it's just like they see these players on TV having big moments in the playoffs. And it was, oh, I met her when I was at camp. Kevin writes... With regard to the, I don't like the way this is going, Rebecca. You're, if this were an election, you'd be gaining ground here. All right. 
With regard to the vigorous debate about measuring wet and dry ingredients while cooking, I'd like to cast my vote with Rebecca. I believe her point was mainly about the tools. Devices with handles and spouts are designed for use with wet ingredients, and devices with flat rims are designed for use with dry ingredients. That was my point. At least that's what my point evolved to. While a cup is 8 ounces, regardless of the state of the ingredients, if the device is used improperly, it will not measure precisely. So if you scoop out a cup of flour with a device designed for wet ingredients, you will get an approximation of a cup, but not a cup. If you try to use a cup measure designed for dry ingredients to add a cup of water to a mix, you're likely to spill some or intentionally, quote, short the measure to avoid spillage. I would like to know what Kevin does for a living because this is this is written with Very, like, such precision yes. and, uh, and clarity. Mm-hmm. It is. It's so lucid. I'm, I'm not used to lucid emails from my <laughs> listeners, Rebecca. Are you reading them a little fast today, by the way? I, 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 have I stepped back into auctioneer mode? I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, so using a device, so, comma, using a device for measuring ingredients for which it was not intended is likely to produce an, 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 an inaccurate measurement. Using the wrong tools alters the measurement, which using the wrong tool alters the measurement, which means that a dry cup is not the same as a wet cup. I have to say I was surprised that the energy devoted to insisting that Rebecca was wrong when her fundamental point is correct. The question is not, quote, what is the volume of a cup, end quote. It is, quote, what is the most reliable and accurate way to measure a cup to include it in a, res- to include in a recipe, end quote. I stand with Rebecca and rebuke the horde that rose up against her without giving the respect and consideration to listen and try to understand the wisdom she offered. Thank you for your time and consideration, and thank you for sharing your lives and your stories with us. It is an admirable act of generosity, which I appreciate sincerely. All the best, Kevin. Kevin, I think Kevin must be an an ombudsman somewhere, or like a mediator or something. He's totally trying to. He should be our ombudsman. He should, or our mediator. We should have an ombudsman column. We should have. Why why doesn't the ball and chain have an ombudsman? Or an ombudswoman. Or, or ombuds person. An, an ombuds person. I don't know. Could could Kevin be our resident ombuds person? Perhaps we could have multiple ombuds people. <laughs> what a ridiculous word, ombudsman. Especially it? when you say it. Has anyone ever heard it this many times, like in a short time No, but frame? I, I did notice that in, in the game the other day, you said there could be, there will be two... Ryan said there'll be two oh, game I fours, and you said you, you said you said, you said, you said is, or is it games four? And he said, no, surely it must be. Ga-. And then you guys asked Holly, and Holly said she had no opinion. But but how how did nobody invoke secretaries of state or attorneys general? Well, see, because I've brought this up now on three telecasts, because it's Ryan has to read the promo, and he says, you know, um, yes, there will be two, two game, fours. game fours, and I've said every time, isn't it games four? And um, and I'm trying to in, in get a conversation going, and, and Ryan just usually lets it go. But this this past time, yep, he he asked Holly to weigh in, and she chose not to. Maybe that's something our ombudsman could um. If there is, if there is, an, if if Kevin does write an ombudsman column for us, uh, it, it has to be called. And I'm quoting from his. Uh, it has to be called rebuking the horde. The horde. Rebuking the horde. Yes. Um, well, you're you're the linguist. Is it games four or is it game four? Well, first of all, it's, it's an asinine. Of course it is, but what's that's the whole point of yes, bringing it games up? Games four. It is games four. I mean, if you have two sets of Connect Four, what would you call them? You'd call them two sets. You'd call them Connects Four. <laughs> you wouldn't call them Connect Eights. Hey, what happened to my Connects Four? <laughs> Dear Stephen Rebecca writes Michael, greetings from Higashi Kitazawa. Greetings, Michael. As always, I hope this finds you both well. Thank you for the continued levity. Please enjoy the following lighthearted reciprocity. Uh, I bet his next one he'll invoke the word ombudsman. 
rhyme that one, Michael. <laughs> I'm reading this cold, so so let me get into the don't into the do it here. too fast. What measure? Dry measure. Your consistent descent is our listening pleasure. <laughs> but it's time to bury the hatchet and this Pyrex treasure. And Steve, you are clearly the goat at not sending a thank you note. <laughs> For a writer in his prime, perhaps devote a pittance of time that would help keep the ball and chain afloat. Keep happy and healthy, I remain. Michael, once again, Michael has done it. When you hear ball and chain and float, what do you think of, Rebecca? What do I think of? You think of the toilet tank. Oh, yeah, that's true. It has a ball, a chain. That's the float. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there. Because sometimes yeah. this chain gets stuck and then the toilet frequently tank does. keeps running. Yeah, I don't like when that happens. But but he suggests we uh, it's time to put the wet, dry measures out to pasture. Yeah, probably is, but people seem to still uh, want to weigh in. George in Columbus writes, uh, oh, dear, his uh, his email is headed, thank you notes. Oh. Rebecca, I must defend Steve regarding his thank you note etiquette. On last week's podcast, you asked whether he had thanked me for the carved pumpkins. I am happy to report that I have received several thank you messages from Steve over the past few years. Specifically, I got thank you emails for the monocle and for the logo pumpkin. He also posted photos of the pumpkins and thanked me both times on his Twitter. So there, Rebecca. Okay, I'm glad. Now, now I'm going to get rebuked by uh, our ombudsperson for for the for uh, not writing a hand no for the right. for the uh, tenacity the uh, volume of my the emotion in my voice when I no I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you have thanked him because he deserves thanks for lots of things in early February 2019 writes George in Columbus I sent Steve a croaky at that I remember receiving the croaky and I've I used remember it many as times. well at that time my elderly mother's health was failing rapidly and she passed away on February 14th on the 15th when I returned home from work my wife told me that I had received a letter from Steve Rush and Steve your thoughtful handwritten thank you note arrived at exactly the right time to brighten my otherwise gloomy day I'm getting emotional now Rebecca I, I sh- probably shouldn't have read this out loud um, I still keep your note inside my copy of Stingray Afternoons so from my standpoint I consider myself thanked and offer my thanks for the entertaining podcasts George George thank you I mean what a I'm, generous I'm, spirit this guy Completely, and I'm so proud of you that you wrote him a thank you for that. Well, I'm glad that you're proud of me. It matters. No, like I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Well, uh, of of course it matters, and and um, it's literally the least one can do. And and I'm again, I feel horrible that I didn't do it. In Dr. It's C's not case. the least because in the other case you did the least. This one here, you did more than the least, and it was lovely. You have to understand that. In thirty years, in thirty years me. as a sports writer, you <laughs> yes. you often don't open emails at all because you you uh, a lot of them are are sort of uh, uh, you know metaphorical uh, letter bombs, you know. Right. Yes. Dear Ball, you wouldn't understand that having spent uh, your adult life in the public eye and receiving having received nothing but uh, but lovely emails and uh, sometimes fan art. But seldom the kind of uh, hate mail that my, um, well, we ink-stained wretches can receive. One of my um, one of my <laughs> things that I read an at reply on Twitter this past weekend made me laugh. It was uh, something like, "I've never seen an ounce cruise change series in the or change yeah change series in the middle." What makes Ryan and Rebecca so special that they're now on the um, Phoenix Vegas game? Doesn't happen all the time. It happens all the time on the NBA. It doesn't typically happen on the WNBA. But number one, what makes us so special, we get moved from the series that's like super close, double overtime, triple-double to the series a game after it was a 26-point win. 
and we have nothing to do with it. That game was on ABC. We tend to call the games that are on ABC, so they shifted us over just for that one game. But it's it's funny people's perceptions. You know what what makes them think they're so special that they get to do the other series? And um, of as course, you, I didn't respond you. to the person, but it's like what makes us special is we do what our bosses tell us to do, and we actually missed the better game. But uh, anyway. Dear Ball and Chain, writes Robert, if you have a follow-up to Ryan Rucco's vocal massage story, here's a possible headline. Rucco recumbent receives Ricola relaxation recommended. Ryan has a bunch of Ricolas on the- I asked um, you specifically last week. On the, on the announce table. Um, I mean, and how, he pops how is, them while he's sipping on his hot water. How has there not been a Ryan Rucco for Ricola uh, oh, promotion Some yet? sort of ad campaign? I don't know. On your podcast two weeks ago, Steve mentioned monks creating illuminated manuscripts. That reminded me of the Xerox commercials from the late 70s, which featured a monk who created such a manuscript and was asked by his superior to duplicate it 500 times. In the commercial, Brother Dominic turns to Xerox 9200 to complete the task. See link below, and here is a YouTube link to a commercial that I haven't thought of in 45 years, but I remember vividly when uh, Brother Dominic asked to copy uh, his manuscript. It makes a... Uh, Xeroxes of it on the Xerox 9200. I remember that as well. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. Brother Dominic. Uh, kudos to Rebecca, writes Anne. Oh, by the way, that was from Bob in North Carolina, our simplest of palindromes. Thank you, Bob. Anne writes, Rebecca, good job conceding the wet-dry measure being the same. Too bad Steve doesn't concede your point that there are different measuring vessels for each purpose and exactly for the reason you explained. I am disappointed, Steve. Anne in Mississippi. Well, I'm, I'm happy to concede you don't even your know point. what you're conceding. You are, yeah, I'm conceding that the, that the spouts would make more sense to use as a wet measuring device, and the uh, the cups with the the, the handle that they sort of look like a pan would, would make it sense. It pains you that much to call them wet measures and dry measures. It, it, you have to call them the thing with the no, spout and the uh, thing that looks like a pan with a handle. I just don't know that that we can we can use the phrase. You just can't wet back. measures and dry measures any any longer without incurring some kind of an FCC fine. Yeah. Finally. Finally, DGS. Dr. Gary Siegel writes, OMG, there's so much to discuss, is his header. <laughs> so let's get to it, shall we? Definitely, let's get to it. Hello, Rebecca and Steve. Episode 184, The Purr and the Henpecker, may have been among the best pods you've ever broadcast. I finished it on Sunday afternoon at the gym and then got back to work. It was a bit quiet to watch Phoenix overrun Las Vegas in an exciting WNBA game announced by three of my favorite ESPN personalities. With no further ado and perhaps some proofreading, let's get to business. Let's get to business, It's Dr. business Siegel. time, as, uh, as Flight of the Concords once said. One, friend of the podcast, Holly Rowe, was in Athens, Georgia on Saturday along with college game day for the Arkansas versus Georgia football game. I was a mere 59 minutes away and somehow we didn't see each other. And she had, she, she had been at the at Ball and Chain Studios only uh, 36 hours earlier. That's Rebecca. Right. Two, as I type, Holly is the sideline reporter at the above mentioned game. Above mentioned all one word. I, I love that. It's a beautiful looking collection of letters there. Above mentioned game. And Rebecca alluded to her travels last week to obtain a fantastic interview with Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi. I was touched by the jersey exchange and couldn't help but think of the classic moment in which Brandy Chastain removed her jersey in a similar fashion after scoring the winning goal in the 1999 World Cup shootout. I'm not a sports historian. You guys are. But I bet that Brandy paved the way for such actions. By the way, it was Megan Rapino in the background during the interview. Yes. She was, well, she was across the court and we showed her during the interview because um, this is typical Diana Taurasi. When, when the crowd started chanting like one more year and Sue started getting teary eyed, Holly said that even though I don't think Diana was on camera at that moment, Diana started getting a little bit teary eyed. So immediately Diana said to Holly, uh, 
something about her coordinating her outfits with Megan because Holly was wearing leather and Megan was wearing weather and it like diffused this right. emotional moment. Um, I was at the San Francisco Giants game at Candlestick Park uh, when uh, when that happened. I may mention this, the Brandy Chastain goal. And um, I was sitting in my apartment in New York City uh, very soon after having reconstructive surgery on my knee. So my parents were there and we were watching the game together. And my memory is, is uh, they, they put it on the scoreboard Standing ovation at this baseball game. Mark McGuire, they're playing the Cardinals, stepped out of the box and uh, out of the batter's box and applauded, and everybody applauded. Oh, that's pretty cool. Three, yes, Rebecca, the Atlanta Dream have not done especially well in the past few years, but if you come to broadcast the game, Mrs. DGS and I would love to meet you and attend, and we would love to have you visit as well. Four, Steve, I suppose that while Rebecca, well, Rebecca, you, will, you, would, you, would, you would love to have that summit meeting. Yes, I brought that up last week on the podcast when I was sort of asking why right. he doesn't watch well, more women's he's basketball. Clearly watches. Steve, I suppose that while Rebecca was away on Sunday, October 3rd, announcing the game, you were juggling chainsaws, great expression, looking after the children. I hope that they were well-fed with White Castle sliders or takeout pizza. Dr. Siegel, I can tell you, they actually did eat White Castle sliders. We stopped at the grocery, and our youngest wanted White Castles, and I got them, and they have new microwaving instructions. You used to just tear open one end of the bag and nuke them in the bag and it gets the steamy. Now they act, tell you to take it out of the bag, wrap them in paper towels and first microwave it for 30 seconds upside down and then microwave it for 30 more seconds right side up. That tells me that they found out something was unhealthy in the bag. Oh, almost certainly. Yeah. Or somebody was burning themselves more likely on the bag because it, it comes so out at, at, at 900 mm-hmm. degrees Kelvin. Uh, it doesn't improve the taste, I must say. Five, Rebecca, you did take your lumps from Steve and many viewers about the wet versus dry measuring situation. I think Steve must have been mistaken when he said that you were, quote, frequently wrong and seldom acknowledged it, end quote. Uh, did you say that? I'm frequently, frequently wrong, wrong and, and seldom acknowledge it. I would say seldom wrong and seldom acknowledge it. I would say, I yeah, uh, frequently wrong and seldom <laughs> acknowledge it. You think that's fair? Uh, I stand by that. I think that's fair. I'm frequently wrong? Well, not about important things, but just about, you know, can you get that, uh, can you get my phone out of the car? And then 25 minutes later, oh, I'm sorry, it's in my pocket. Yeah, that's true. I do do that. That said, perhaps that insightful observation that Steve made, insightful in uh, ironic quotes, made gave you the impetus to admonish him regarding the lack of a note, none needed by me, in response to the gift of the Yogi Berra stamps. In Steve's defense, they were sent straight from the Postal Service, and I have no idea if the source or buyer would have been evident on the package. Six, since I'm an admitted James Bond fan and double OBGYN, let's take note that on October 8th, soon after the next podcast, the long-awaited last Bond movie featuring Daniel Craig will premiere. Since Mrs. DGS is a bit reluctant to go to an indoor event, let's not forget COVID-19 and the pandemic, and isn't pining to see the film, I'll try to fit it into my schedule after the WNBA playoffs. Mrs. DGS is is reluctant uh, due to COVID, but also doesn't want to see a James Bond <laughs> film. Let's, let's be clear about that, Dr. Siegel. I love that he's going to fit it in after the WNBA playoffs. You don't have to watch any games, Dr. Siegel. I was mostly kidding. Seven, what a pleasure it was to hear Steve pronounce a meringue. And I think I also. <laughs> I think Marengue. we all just enjoyed it right there. <laughs> and especially croissant during the podcast. Lastly, I've attached five pictures that you may enjoy with warm regards, Gary. Picture number one is uh, is the uh, 59 minute drive from uh, Dr. Siegel's location to Sanford Stadium at the University of Georgia. Thus, he was exactly 59 minutes away from Holly Rowe, and I believe legally 
he's required to be at least 60 minutes away from me. <laughs> right. Two is a picture of Holly uh, interviewing uh, on the gram, interviewing a, a player from Georgia. Three is Holly courtside at, uh, is that at the Sun game? I'm guessing it is. Was that her fit at the Sun game? I can't tell from the size of that picture. Uh, oh, no, it's in Phoenix. Yeah, that's and in then, Phoenix. And uh, then look at this, his two favorite uh, broadcasters. It's the, proof that he was watching our game. The vocally massaged uh, Ryan Rucco, uh, recumbent with his Ricola, and, and Rebecca, sans Ricola. And finally, Dr. Siegel, look at this. This is proof of life. <laughs> Dr. In Siegel, front of the screen. in front of the screen, uh, the game you're calling at Arizona State. He's he's uh, <laughs> he's, he's been busy. Proof. He's meanwhile meanwhile a woman is in her her seventeenth hour of labor as Dr. Siegel says. Just hold that thought. I need to see the end of this. Ten game. months after somebody looked at her. Yes, exactly. And so. uh, Dr. Siegel, you have been relieved of duty. You can absolutely not watch the WNBA playoffs and instead go watch the James Bond movie as many times. Full as Full Formula like. One James yes. Bond marathon. Yes, you've yes. done you've done uh, uh, done more than your yes. duty. So. For uh, producer Denny Gallagher, all of our ombuds people. For, for our hacker, Denny Gallagher. For our hacker, Denny Gallagher. <laughs> for the Rebecca Lobo sex shots. <laughs> I, I am just so <laughs> delighted by that, 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 that woman. I don't remember which, uh, which one of our wonderful viewers that was who sent in that particular viewer mail. But that she, this whole time, whenever that comes in, thinks somebody's hacked it. But more importantly, thinks that's what it says. Um, that just tickles me. That was Marion. Marion, yes. Um, so anyway, to all of them. And Tom Dick and Harry. Tom Dick Harry. <laughs> Please play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane